Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that we 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 thank you often, and we know we should thank you even more often than we do. But we are so appreciative that you remind us of that, Father. So throughout the day, when we are reminded, or when it just springs up within our hearts, we offer great thanksgiving and praise to you, Heavenly Father. Praise your holy name, and uh, what a what a blessing it is to be partakers of such great heavenly promises, and uh, by faith, having grasped on to them, and and to our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus, by faith we are saved, not by our works, not by our accomplishments, not by our interests, commitments. Um, which are so often from the wrong place, but it's not our religious zeal, Father. It's rather your uh, your your great great work uh, through the Lord Jesus and the blessings of grace that have transformed us in our hearts and in our minds, and we are so thankful today, Father. I thank you especially today also for the opportunity to raise up the next generation. For many of us, that's been uh, given as a great gift, not to all, but to some. And uh, we're so thankful, Father, for the mothers who sacrificed so much for our sakes, so so much more than we can comprehend. But in eternity, we will learn, I'm sure, uh, the rest of the story. So, Father, thank you so much for them. I pray that you bless our, our meeting this morning, which will focus on that and some other precious truth from Genesis. So, Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together with these that you've brought into our midst. Father, there are many things to be thankful for, the way you're working, the way you give us opportunities to to speak forth with others uh, that you've brought into our midst in one way or another, through the Bible studies, we're privileged to lead. There's so many uh, others we do reach out to. The list is long. Many are still resistant, Father, and we pray that in these last and what seems to us very dark days indeed, and yet we are the lights that uh, others may see, and I pray that our lights would shine brightly. There's this large issue in our nation, Father. Our nation is so far astray but father i i, I pray that uh, this focus on the evil of abortion would open the hearts of many who for the first time start to think clearly again they haven't been thinking for a long time and have been believing lies but i pray father that they would begin to think again and that this just might be one more way that you open their hearts to the precious truth of the gospel. And may we all have such a great, really, love and, and passion for your truth and its saving power that we would share it with others that you bring into our midst. So, Father, I, I pray that we would do that and that these days would therefore see many drawn to you even though the challenge set before our nation seems so overwhelmingly great. We pray for the safety of 
the Supreme Court justices and other justices throughout the land. And these who make a difference when in the court system in general, many of them are on the wrong page, but some are on the right page, surely, perhaps many. And I pray, Father, that they would make decisions that are right and good for the sake of our nation and our people, and that uh, they would be encouraged and strengthened and given given great, great, even beyond their means, uh, courage to tackle these challenges with the accompanying threats, such as they may be at the time. There are many gatherings today, family gatherings. I pray, Father, for them. We're missing some this morning who we wish were here with us, but they're elsewhere by necessity. So, Father, I just pray that you be with them and uh, be a great blessing to them. And to us, Father, now as we open your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it is a great blessing to open God's word together. And again, as I've said so many times, and I, as I really need to say it because it's a matter of testimony. The word of the Lord and here in Genesis in particular, but not only in Genesis, I've been so blessed this week in preparing for this time with all of you, and I, I just pray that you'd be blessed as well as we consider the great truth that we find revealed here. And on this Mother's Day 2022, may that theme also come forth, the way that the Lord God has used mothers is totally remarkable, miracle, miracle upon miracle upon miracle. So our theme that we're looking at carefully is that God operates selectively, <laughs> and he, he selectively uses what I've called the principle of division to go from uh, calling out one man, right? And then it's one small, very small family, the man and his wife, and then they have children in due time, and God again divides between elder and younger uh, and singles out one, a son of promise, Isaac, right? And not the other, so... He singled out Isaac, and the promises were for Isaac and his offspring, right? And not the other, though the other was blessed, according to a previous promise, but not at all in the same way, right? That's Ishmael, of course. And then the next generation, similarly, Isaac has twins, Right. And uh, the elder, the prophecy was given that the elder would serve the younger. Again, God selects. He chooses. That does not mean that Esau was not blessed. He was blessed. Twelve sons, twelve tribes came from him, twelve nations. Right. But the 
line of promise from the seed of the woman promise all the way down ultimately to our Lord Jesus Christ that was through through Jacob and not through Esau. And today we're going to focus on Jacob specifically in that regard. We've looked carefully at Abraham. We saw how he was called out at about the time. We can't be sure exactly, but about the same time that the Tower of Babel was destroyed. And we read of that in Genesis 11 and 12, how God called out Abram and along with Abram, his father. So apparently Abram, who received the word of the Lord, communicated that carefully to his father. And his father was willing to give up everything that he had. And I'm sure he had much to give it all up. And to take his son, his sons, really, he had two remaining sons at that time. One had died. And to go off in the direction of the promised land. And we read all about how God then, when Terah died, Abram, uh, his son, took his wife and Lot. And they went off into the land of promise, right? Chapter 12 reiterates the promises as uh, Abram is told again that God would, in fact, through him, make a great nation. And he would bless them and uh, make their name great. And Abram would be a great blessing. And those that blessed him would be blessed. And those that cursed would be cursed. Okay. That's Genesis chapter 12. And so they came into the land of Canaan, a land already possessed by many uh, fierce people indeed. And uh, so Abram is a stranger in a strange land indeed. And we'll see more uh, today about uh, how that developed in his following ongoing generations. So I want to just skip the review. We do not have time for it. And go directly down to the section today that I'd like to focus on. And that's uh, way down in uh, chapter 25. So in due time, Sarah's womb is enlivened and uh, she brings forth the son of promise 24 years pass while they're waiting until finally god says at this time in the following year you will bear a son and you will call his name isaac meaning of course laughter so every time they refer to isaac they're using the word laughter because uh, that's what his name means, right? Just to remind them that both of them, when told what the promise of the Lord was after all these years of waiting and all the compromises that they made in the meantime, 
to try to solve the problem their own way, right? Um, that uh, they laughed when God made the promise. Now, many say, well, they laughed in faith. Well, I, don't, I think it may have varied in a couple of cases, but uh, certainly it wasn't always in faith. So God uh, used the um, nature of man, such as it was, and of woman, right, to accomplish his great purpose. He intersected with mankind in marvelous ways, and, uh, and that's what we read of in Genesis. It's a major theme, of course, in Genesis, is it not? We've already seen how that goes, but today, much more. Okay, so our outline is that God's selective work focuses on Isaac's son, Jacob, and summarizing it all, the Lord reigns over man. The Lord reigns with authority over man. And there are a number of points. First of all, chapter 25, Isaac's sons are born. His sons are born, but the younger shall serve the elder. <laughs> okay. By edict of the Lord God, right? Who is in authority. Secondly, also in chapter 25, Due to the weaknesses of the flesh, the elder barters his inheritance. <laughs> he takes soup and gives up his father's inheritance. Imagine, right? How could it be, right? Then in chapter 27, even Esau's father's blessing also goes to Jacob by God's choice, right? So not only the birthright, but also the blessing. Oh, my. God works even through human frailty. Then Jacob seeks and finds a wife in Haran. <laughs> okay, this is because both both um, Rebecca first and then Isaac uh, determined that Jacob must not marry a woman from the land of promise as Esau had. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, then the next point through through two marriages, many sons and trials on every side, a nation of 12 tribes is created. And then finally, Jacob comes face to face with his own doubts and the Lord blesses him with a new name. Israel. So I'd like us to consider those things today. It'll be very difficult to get through this in the amount of time we pray that the Lord will give us, but so be it. Next time, by the way, Lord willing, we'll focus on Joseph. Okay, so we don't miss the forest for the trees, which is so easy to do. I mean, these are long sections of sacred history here in Genesis. There are many, many details given. My desire is to communicate the themes and not so much the details, but sometimes the themes are hidden in the details, so we cannot ignore the details altogether. But I don't want us to miss the forest for the trees. So let's begin here to see how Isaac's sons are born, but the younger shall serve 
the elder. And you'll notice there's much focus on the women the Lord called out to be the mothers that would make the difference, right? The Lord called out those who would be the mothers that would make the difference. But they were barren most of the time for a long, long time. And that, of course, left opportunity for the flesh to become involved. And the enemy, of course, uh, was Satan, always working, always working, always working. And we see that even the ones the Lord God chose, that the flesh often dominated and Satan often had his way. But not always, not always, because the Lord was victorious. And so we might wonder, were the barrenness was the barrenness of these who would become the mothers of the next generation was that due to satan's influence it doesn't say it was but it does say the lord worked to change that barrenness into fruitfulness right okay so genesis chapter 25 i'll read there to start with Promises given, this is in Genesis uh, 25, 21. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out all red, like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau, meaning rough, okay, And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob, meaning supplanter or thief. So there's a dramatic birth indeed, right? But the word of the Lord had come, defining exactly what would follow, right? The elder will serve the younger okay and so what we see are miracle upon miracle in very many ways happening here in genesis right that god would carry out his perfect plan concerning the promised seed of the woman the son of promise isaac and then his children here one of which was called out by god the younger who would be blessed above the other okay I find it just quite precious indeed to read of it, to see how God interfered with the enemy's work on so many occasions and in ways beyond our imagination to accomplish his great purpose. But there's much more to the story now as we now have an elder and a younger (laughs) in conflict with one another, right? So what happens? Well, uh, I'd like Patty to read about how through the weaknesses of the flesh, the elder barters his inheritance 
right. Okay, Patty, uh, chapter 25, verses 27 through 34. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Amen. So be it. Esau was willing to give up even his birthright for a bowl of soup. Must have been a good bowl indeed. Oh, my. There was nothing at all sacred to him, clearly. Nothing. All he cared about was his own pleasure. And the circumstance of the moment. That's all. Right? There are so many today in this situation, aren't they? Because they have no enduring hope. Everything is a matter of the moment. And uh, if you look at Esau's life, you see where that leads. <laughs> you lose everything in the end. That's of true value, although he was surrounded by many. His whole, uh, his whole heritage is listed there in one entire chapter given to it. Okay. So he was even willing to dishonor his own father, right, uh, for personal pleasure. And Jacob, in this case, and you see this so often, but he seems to be accomplishing the purposes of God beyond his knowledge. And in fact, in a carnal way, uh, although was it really? I mean, he desired the birthright did his mother tell him the lord god promised he would serve you so let's bring it to pass you know uh we do not know but i do believe that uh, god worked out his will here by overwhelming the desires of these that he had chosen to work with and so it was, right, uh, that uh, God worked. Even the weaknesses of the human heart, God can use, and he can use them amazingly. Wow. Of course, when we look back, we can see more than one, right in the heat of the battle. Okay, well, I'm skipping chapter 26. Uh, we looked at 25. Skip 26 because there we, it goes back to consider how Isaac was preserved even though his own sinful nature was at work, but God still delivered him, even in Egypt, right? It's the most amazing thing to see there. But, of course, Isaac 
will be preserved. He has, uh, you know, that has been the promise of God that he will be preserved as long as needed. And so it is. Okay, well, we get to chapter 27 then. And uh, what we see there is that also the blessing will go to Jacob. Also the blessing. And what happens is uh, just incredible. Uh, (laughs) The situation where Isaac is very elderly, he cannot see, uh, he can still feel, he can still hear. He can still smell. He uses all of his senses. And uh, apparently, uh, Rebecca is in much better control of herself than he is at the time. And she wants for her son, um, Jacob, to have also the blessing, right? He has the inheritance. She wants him to have the blessing. And so you remember that situation. And I think we'll skip over it for now. Uh, Precious indeed it is to read the word of the living God. But uh, I'll just read the blessing which the Lord gives to Jacob, even though he has doubts in his mind. He says, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But um, the smell is that of Esau. Nevertheless, his judgment in verse 28, Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So you see, Jacob is in the line of Abraham, uh, and the promises originally given to his to his uh, grandfather would be carried down not only to Isaac, but down also now to Jacob. So what can we say in respect of these verses? I mean, the Lord is victorious, even in the face of every form of opposition, even when the the will of the flesh is involved. Nevertheless, as indicated earlier, the elder would serve the younger. That brings us to chapter 28, when uh, first Rebecca and then Isaac determine that Jacob must not marry a woman from the land of promise, but must rather marry someone back from the family that's still there in Haran. And so they determine together to send Jacob away. Now, there's another reason as well, which is that Esau has committed in his heart he will kill his brother, right? But the other purpose is great indeed, which is that there will be a mother, they hope, who will raise up children for the Lord. Now, admittedly, idolatry is an issue, and it continues to be an issue, right? But that's the desire of their hearts. And first of all, it was Rebecca's desire. 
I think she responded with a heart while uh, Isaac was still perhaps wondering in his mind. Remember, he loved Esau very much, and uh, he had given Esau also a blessing indeed, but not the blessing. Okay, so the choice of Jacob's established. And now, though, the rest of the story, beginning in chapter 28, where we see how the Lord God works with Jacob personally to establish him as really the patriarch and ultimately the one from whom the 12 sons and 12 tribes and ultimately the uh, the nation, God's own cho- chosen nation would come, right? And so they go off, they meaning all of them. But to start with, it's only Jacob because he does not yet have a wife. And so they send him off. And where does he go? He goes on the way to uh, Haran, leaves Beersheba, comes to Bethel. This wasn't named Bethel yet. It would be named that later because Bethel means the house of God, but it will be named that because of what happens there. Chapter 28, Jacob falls down to sleep. He has a dream. And in the dream, and this is really a messianic dream indeed, uh, angels are ascending and descending on a ladder to heaven, right, <laughs> from the very place where he has laid down to sleep. And so it says he awakens out of his sleep, Genesis 28:16, and says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so he rose up early in the morning, took the stone that he had put for his pillow, and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it and called the name of that place Bethel. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I've set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. It's very interesting to me that Jacob does not include in his prayerful statement, (laughs) I guess we'd call it prayerful, hopeful, anything about a wife. But he does say, you'd bring me again. So clearly that was implied. If... God will be with me. Most incredible, considering the dream he has just had. And yet, that is Jacob's heart. His heart is filled with doubt and fear uh, of his brother, right? And wondering, would God, who had so greatly blessed his father and grandfather, also keep his promises to him? He has much to learn. The next section gives us the full development of it. So let's uh, see how many tribes ultimately will come forth 
from this man, Jacob, and the woman that God has chosen. Well, <laughs> there's more than one. <laughs> oh, my. So I'd like uh, Lydia to read these two verses in chapter 29 of Genesis, verses 30 and 31. Lydia? And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Thank you. What a sad uh, situation for Jacob. Jacob, from the beginning, loved Rachel. From the first moment. He set his eyes upon her, but uh, her father, Laban, was a schemer, <laughs> and uh, he worked it out. Uh, you remember how, we won't go into it, uh, that first of all, he would marry Leah and serve seven years for Leah and then Rachel, finally serving another seven, and then another six. So altogether, there will be 20 years. But as it says here, Rachel was barren. So Leah bears a number of sons. Uh, and when she gives up childbearing, she asks her handmaid to, to take her place. And so more are born there. Uh, finally, the Lord opens Rachel's womb. And uh, again, uh, things are confused, but nevertheless, the Lord works his purposes through these women. Rachel brings forth Joseph first. So altogether, there are 11 sons then born. Uh, some through devices of the flesh, others the work of the Lord, right, as he opens wombs. Okay, 20 years of servitude were enough. At this point, Jacob is ready to depart. Uh, he has a great heritage already well uh, in arm, right? And unfortunately, Laban is opposed to his leaving ever and uh, works to oppose him. Jacob then takes his family out privately and all that they have, and uh, apparently not living just quite next door, but in the North 40 or wherever, right? The South 40 in this case, or wherever it was. And uh, Laban finds out and uh, follows to interfere, right? Finally, they make an agreement between the, the two of them. And at this point, we see these great events in chapter 32, uh, where Jacob, due to doubt and fear for his life and that of his family, separates him off into different groups. And then he's off by himself because he fears that Esau is coming. And there's little hope unless the Lord delivers him, right? And the Lord does indeed come and directly uh, 
deals deals with indeed right with Jacob with his doubt and fear and they wrestle all night you remember the story I'm not going to dwell on it today but as a result the Lord changes Jacob's name to Israel from the supplanter or the thief over to a prince and what does he finally say in Genesis 32 Verse 29, Jacob asked him and says, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Jacob, confessing his nature such as it was, right? And he said, thy name shall be no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince, Hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed? And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penael, as that means the face of God. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So the pre-incarnate son of God and Jacob wrestle and the Lord allows him to win. How can we explain this passage except from the Lord just singling out Jacob and even through Jacob's weakness, his flesh, his uh, inadequacies, his rebellious spirit, his fear, his doubt, even through all of that, the Lord will make Jacob the leader of his people. It's a profound example of how this theme is worked out, which is that God, through his selective choice, works, but he does it in the realm of judgment because Jacob is singled out no matter what. And Esau has been set aside, okay? The blessings of God will flow through Jacob. Praise God, what a wonderful thing. But he's given a, a mark, a mark. The mark is he can't walk without a limp, severe limp and with a, with a crutch, right? Okay, you remember there was another man given a mark. You know who? was the Apostle Paul. Paul writes in Galatians 6.17, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Just like Jacob so many years before. Well, Jacob and Esau now separate, and Jacob builds an altar called El Elohe Israel, which means the God, the God of Israel, indicating that contrary to his previous doubts, the God of his fathers was now also his own. The God, the God of Israel. The God of his grandfather and his father is now his own. And he gives a testimony about build, building this article altar and sacrificing and 
declaring the name such as he did. So what a precious thing to see. His testimony was powerful. It pleased the Lord greatly, I'm sure. And uh, that goes on. I mean, I'm wondering whether uh, we give such strong testimonies. Not with sacrifices, of course, since our perfect sacrifice has already been made, even the Lord Jesus. But we've been marked as his, have we not? And do we give testimony boldly? That's uh, the desire of the Lord, right? However, chapter 34, and I'm not going to go into its details at all. We're just going to pass it by. But the evils of the flesh within Jacob's family dominate. We're sorry to say. Jacob's daughter, Dinah, is compromised by a Hittite man. And Jacob's sons, in a carnal way, in a fleshly way, end up killing them all and stealing all of their possessions and destroying their city. I don't think Jacob ever truly recovered from this. He believed that uh, from then on, all the peoples of the land who dwelt there would uh, seek to destroy him. They would join together and, and eventually destroy him and his family. And so he's greatly troubled by this. But the Lord even uses evil, even this ultimately, for his own purpose. Well, the dwellers in the land were so concerned that they might also suffer the same consequence as those in Shechem. And so they allowed the passage uh, of this family uh, to come through the land as they went on their way. Okay, so ultimately they arrive in their destination, which was Bethel, the house of God. And uh, so let's uh, learn about that. At that point, God appears to Jacob again. Elizabeth, would you please read for us Genesis 35, verses 9 through 12. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel should be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also, God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you, and to your descendants after you, I give this land. Uh, Thank you, Elizabeth. Just really touches my heart to see this. I mean, it's hard to read in a sense because God is so gracious, so merciful and so gracious to Jacob. To now Israel, reminding him again, do not fear Israel. I am God Almighty. And you and your descendants will possess this land. He goes on from there and uh, 
after God leaves him, Jacob puts up another monument <laughs> and offers up a sacrifice of a drink offering upon that. That's when he names the place Beth El, the house of God. And then, oh, it's so sad. They journeyed, this is verse 16, chapter 35. They journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed. And she had hard labor. It came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died. She called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Rachel died, was buried. On the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem, Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. So our theme has been revealed again. God's principle of division was at work. He selects, he chooses, he overcomes the will of the flesh and the will of Satan. And Satan knows much about the will of God, but not everything. And so God is allowed to carry out his purpose. And what I want us to see here as we close today, just by reading some incredible scripture, is that these all were strangers and sojourners on the pilgrimage of the Lord. And what a special way it was uh, to state it as Jacob does before Pharaoh, looking ahead to chapter 47. Linda, please read for us these precious words. Genesis 47, verses 7 through 10. And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the lives of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. Thank you, Linda. So we see that this theme is indelibly written on the generations following as Jacob or Israel passed it down to the next generation through Joseph and onwards to Moses, to David and others. And I, I cannot avoid reading for you quickly the Song of Hannah. The Song of Hannah, Song of Hannah, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. 
For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. They that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. Then many generations later, not centuries, I guess, but I misspoke. When David was near death, and the preparations for the building of the temple had all been made, David spoke these words, surely some of the most significant words ever stated by a sinner that the Lord hath called. And Lewis, please read these words for us. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 15. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty and all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honors come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great, and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, and that we should be able to offer so willingly after this war? For all things come of thee, and of thy own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, the sojourner, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. Thank you, Lewis. Uh, well, this ends our study today. We're strangers before thee and sojourners. As were all our fathers, our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. So the great question is, what hath God wrought? <laughs> and the Lord answered that question in these chapters, did he not? The theme is sin and uh, the announcement of coming judgment, the promise of deliverance, the judgment of self 
falls. But in all of God's dealings with mankind, his work of divine election operates in the sphere of divine judgment. And the divine principle of division proves the doctrine found there, right? So many times the Lord divided peoples, and it was all for his honor and for his glory, and that this truth might be learned and understood by all. Right. Uh, Rex, please read from Paul's wonderful words concerning exactly the same subject, but now writing from the realm of his abundant grace and the completed sacrifice of our Lord Jesus and his glorious resurrection. Rex, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jew requires a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jewish stumbling block and unto the Greek foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Oh, thank you, Rex. And Patty, uh, can you read there those other verses? First uh, Corinthians 1, 26 through 31, please. <clears throat> For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. <clears throat> and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen and amen. Well, praise God for this precious word of truth today. What a blessing to, to see as Paul wrote here in verse 25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Do we not see it written on every page in Genesis? We do indeed. And then in Paul's letters, magnified so very, very greatly. Grace abounds. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Praise the Lord.
Um, oh, my. Are there any comments before we go to the Lord in prayer today? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you and praise you. Yes, you hold the, our entire lives in the hollow of your precious hand. Your hand is a hand of great glory, great power, judgment, but also mercy, love, and grace. So, Father, thank you so much for your hand of care and protection. Some here have asked to, for help, Father, regarding a number of issues in life, some threatening issues regarding life itself. We could share the same request, Heavenly Father. Many of us here can. Father, thank you for encouraging us by your word of truth. Thank you again uh, for gathering us. And Father, may we indeed be the lights you'd have us to be in this dark world. For apart from you, your son, and the glories of his completed redemptive work, mankind is nothing without a hope in this world and uh, bound by Adam's sin. But Heavenly Father, thank you for delivering us from the law of sin and death and bringing us into the glorious presence of our Lord Jesus. And he in us, and we now therefore seated at your right hand. Praise your heavenly name, Father. May we understand we're but pilgrims. And our pilgrimage is one to bring glory to you, Heavenly Father. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. And amen. Uh, Jim, before we go, uh, could I read this Psalm 138, verse 2? Yes, please. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rex. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Oh, amen and amen. Well, and enjoy the Lord all. Have a have a great day indeed. And pray that the mothers would be even specially blessed uh, as we all remember them. And uh, our mothers that have gone before, for many of us, that's... Uh, where they reside. What a what a glory. What a glory. Enjoy the Lord all. So glad Bonita and Rex, you could be with us today and Linda and Elizabeth and uh, Lydia and Lewis, Patty. So many blessings. Enjoy the Lord all. Goodbye, everyone. Praise his name. Bye. 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 Bye.